On Christmas Day, I spoke about stories. We all have stories to tell, and our stories are inextricably linked to God's story. They are one and the same. And it is important that we share our stories and listen carefully to one another's stories so that we can learn more about God and her love for all creation, her love for everyone. And it is God's story of love for us all that we hear about in these two readings this morning. The stories in Isaiah, written by several authors, have been stitched together to give us a fuller picture of history. Chapter 42 begins the poetic descriptions of the role of the servant, believed to be the telling of the coming of Jesus. There is a gentle, quiet and personal feel about the words. I have called you. I have taken you by the hand. We are encouraged to wait and be patient. This will take time. But God is with us, looking back on what is past and looking forward to the new things that have been promised to the people of Israel, to us, to everyone, to all of creation. This is a preview, a trailer, if you like, of what is to come in the future and an assurance of God's steadfastness, presence and faithfulness in supporting and guiding us when we find ourselves in hardship and times of struggle. These are words of love and care and compassion. A bruised reed will not be broken. A dimly lit wick will not be put out. We are given life and breath, taken by the hand. The marginalized and outcasts are being given care and brought into the light. The whole earth, the entire creation, is enveloped in love by the creator, the life giver. Those deemed small and insignificant are recognized and justice prevails for them. God's love, justice and reassurance is in abundance in this passage. And also in the passage from Matthew's gospel. When Jesus came among us, he came through the love that God has for us and he turned the world upside down. He overturned the old way of doing things whilst still remembering what had gone before, God's story of love and justice. Here in this passage, Jesus chooses to be baptised by John, much to John's embarrassment, maybe. Jesus, we know, doesn't need to be baptised. It was a way for him to identify with us, just as he is identified as the Son of God. He submits himself to his calling, a public act of obedience, a symbol of solidarity with the state of all humanity. Jesus, in obedience to God, chooses to be like us. And his choice is affirmed by God's words of love and approval. This is my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. 
all of this happens in a very public place in the community down by the river, a meeting place for people coming to collect water, to wash clothes, to refresh their working animals. And this marks the beginning of his ministry, yet it is done quietly and with no sign of superiority, no officialdom, no lengthy liturgy, no preparation. It was completely unexpected. John wasn't ready for it, yet after his initial embarrassment, he did what he needed to do in response to Jesus's need. Not an organized religious rite in the temple or synagogue, but an ad hoc event in a place where people from the community gathered in their normal day-to-day lives. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to be his presence in our communities, in the hustle and bustle of daily lives, meeting people where they are at, identifying with them in their struggles and joys, listening to their stories, showing them that they are recognised and beloved children of God and accepted just as they are. We are all called to an incarnational ministry. One of the things I was most encouraged and excited about when I came to Hind Street was the desire of the church to engage more with the local community. And it was stated in the profile for me to be part of that ministry. And part of that ministry has been on the steps and I've shared stories of the encounters we've had there. And more recently, Miriam and I have been visiting the shops down the road around the church and spending time getting to know people in the shops and on the streets. And we've been listening to their stories. All the people we encountered in the shops were quite astonished at what we were doing. They were really touched, though, that we cared about about them and were interested in what they were doing. And they welcomed us into their stories into their community. And we will be making this a regular part of our work, trying to show the presence and love of God in our community, in the busyness of people's daily lives. One of the stories we listened to was about one of the shops itself. It is run as a cooperative, a group of designers joined together to rent the pop-up shop and sell their creations clothes, bags, jewellery, and the like, some very beautiful items. And the prices aren't too scary either, especially the jewellery. Melina, who designs the jewellery, makes her own jewellery and as well as sourcing it from other cooperatives around the world, and has a really interesting story to tell too. She left her work in the banking industry in London and learned how to make jewellery. Her love and passion for jewellery stem from her childhood growing up in India. For her family, jewellery is more than just an accessory. It is a piece of art passed down through the generations. We all have our own stories to tell. And we all have a need to be accepted for who we are, who we truly are. The theologian Paul Tillich says that to be told you are accepted 
is one of the most fundamental human needs. You are accepted, recognized, named as God's child. As a whole community, we can express acceptance that we are part of something bigger. God wants all of us to be present. The image of God is incomplete if we are excluding people or parts of creation. All our, need, all our stories are needed to complete God's story. This incarnational ministry that we are called to is not about getting bums on seats or making Methodists. It is about showing God's love and care, getting to know people, building relationships and trust, and affirming people as beloved children of God and letting God take the reins. The covenant prayer that we will be sharing in soon is about letting go of our need to do things our way in our time and let God lead us, use us, or even lay us aside. It's not an easy prayer to pray. As student ministers, we were encouraged to pray during the week um, before the covenant service, to pray over the words of the, the prayer in preparation, to reflect on the meaning and the consequences and ask for strength and grace to keep the promises. At our circuit ministers meeting last week, we looked at a piece about the covenant prayer written by a Methodist minister, George Bailey. He recalled a comment made to him by an ecumenical mentor whilst he was a student, which went something like this. The problem with you Arminians is that your theology makes you vulnerable to the spiritual temptation of thinking it's all down to you personally to save the world. George went on to say that often Methodists inhabit an activist spirituality, which is great for getting on with things, but can lead to stress and can lead to being so busy as to overlook the actual work of God in our midst. Whether we feel we are the ones to save the world single-handedly because we believe we know best, or whether we keep ourselves so busy that we find ourselves stressed and have no real sense of what God is doing in our lives, or whether we just come to this covenant prayer with a sense of dread and failure, we all have the assurance of a loving, gracious God and that we are not on our own in this undertaking. We have with us Jesus Christ, the one who came to live among us as one of us, knowing our weaknesses, feeling our pain, our stresses, our sorrows, and loving us. We have the help of the Holy Spirit giving strength and comfort and we have God's promises, which we can trust, and her grace, which we can rely on. We choose to respond to that grace and to work with God, acknowledging that we are not perfect and we will fall short. Jesus chooses to identify with our humanity and be baptised by John. 
Christian baptism is an acceptance of death, death of our old selves, death of all things that create a world that is separate from God. Jesus receives our baptism and death so that we can receive his resurrection and life. He shares our reality so that we can share his. It can be hard and painful to let go. We can choose to allow God to take our whole lives, all the good and the bad, all the joys and the sorrows, and let them be God's, and allow God to mould us and all our experiences and feelings and attitudes to God's own shape and image. And as we step down into the waters, we hear the voice of truth calling us beloved and pleasing. Amen.